0: All right. All right. Grab a seat. Here we go. Now tonight we're in our part 2 of recreate and and I'm just telling you 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 need to follow along with me in your notes. We're going to be doing some review and hitting some stuff that I think is really foundational and core for us. So if you need a pen, if you just raise your hand, or if you need a uh, bulletin, you don't have one of those. Who needs a pen tonight to go? I, we got people ready. You got, need a pen over there. need a pen over here. Um, we got pens right behind you coming. There we go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. Go ahead, grab your notes if you don't have them yet, open them up, and we will dive in. Let me pray for us tonight. That's fun. Jesus, we invite you here, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would move, that this moment would be sacred, it would be literally set apart, and we'd hear your voice, And that you would draw us into who you are. And as a result, this planet would be changed because there was this gathering at this high school called Del Mar that dared to lean and dream into their heavenly father and simply take him at his word. God, would you use us and would you change us? And as a result, would you change this city? Would you speak to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. We're in this series called Recreate, and and it's one that actually I just have to do uh, the review of the whole series la- last week because it's so foundational. We'll do it for the next three, and if you missed it, you're going to get uh, the big chunk. Uh, recreate, and in fact, we're just—we all ask one really fundamental question: whether you're here and you believe in Jesus or don't, whether you're religious or non-religious, whether you're spiritual or not spiritual. You're asking this question. You may phrase it differently than I do, but you've asked this question. And a lot of times, we ask this question in major transitions of life, uh, like if we're moving from high school to college, or college to work life, or into married life. I remember, with each of my kids, I remember asking this. Particular particular question. It's one of those huge questions of life that we're always asking and feel like we're constantly searching for the answer. And here it is. How do I be the person God made me to be? If you're here, you're non-religious, you may uh, say this. How do I become who I was ultimately designed to become? Because innate in all, all of us, we realize we've not yet arrived, that we're not who internally we sense the brokenness. We're not who we long to be. How do we be? How do you and I be the person we are created to be? Be the person, the man or the woman we're designed to be. Be the person that God made you and I to be. How does that happen? In fact, there's this verse, this amazing verse, uh, just one verse in, out of 1 uh, Corinthians that says, now this, it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and it has this radical, bold proclamation, if you are in Christ, and we're asking this question, how do you be the person God made you to be? It says, therefore, if any of you are in Christ, it says this, He is, she is, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, I gotta be honest, for a lot of my life, I treated that like a nice slogan. Thought, yeah, that may be true for some, but honestly, I don't feel like a new creation because I kept wrestling with this question, and if you are too, how do we be who God made us to be? And so I'd be new creation. I'd be like, okay, I, I long to be that. I sense I long to become the dad that you designed me to be. I long to be the husband you designed me to be. I long to be the, the man you designed me and created me to be. And have you been there? Maybe you answered it the way I've often answered it. I would get caught in this cycle. is that I would begin to get clear in one of those major transition points of life. Where, where I realized, man, I want to, you know, I want to do life differently than the way I'm doing it. And I would try this. I would try hard. I'd get real clear, this is who I want to be. And I remember when Ella was born, I said, really, you know, I want to be this kind of dad. I'd try hard. And then I'd do good for a little bit. Sometimes it was like a week. Sometimes it was a month. Sometimes it was an hour, <laughs> you know. I'd try hard, do good, and then I'd fail. And then there's this season, this age, where then I'd feel guilt and shame. And like I didn't measure up because I wasn't the person I longed to become, the person I desired to become, and I for sure wasn't the person who God created me to become. And so then I hid and I felt guilt and shame. Some of you are there. Some of you have been hiding from God because you've been in guilt and shame. And you're first coming back, and you're like, I don't know if I've let enough time go by before I can come back to church, because I feel that, which is totally screwy. I I get the thought process, but man, come every time. And then we just hit the repeat button. We're in that cycle over and over and over and over again. And then if you like, live in church world or you're a Christian, you realize, you look around, it seems like everyone else has got it together. They're becoming the person God designed them or created them to become. You look at their life and you go like, man, they must have it figured out. So then what do you do? You're not on repeat, but externally, you're what? You're faking it. You're putting up something out there for others to see that's not really true in here. In answering that question, we dove into Colossians chapter 1, 1, uh, 3, 1 through 4, this powerful passage that unpacks real simply how do you be the person God created to be? And it said right off the bat that you have to embrace a new starting point. You remember where it said in Corinthians, you are, is, present, active, right now, currently, reality of who you are, a new creation. I told this story last week. Uh, I was riding my bike, And I've been searching for a table for my backyard for like ever. And a couple years ago, I was riding my bike, and I come across and I see this table on the side of the road. It had a free sign on it. Someone discarded it. It was old. It was gray. It was ugly. Uh, And I drive over to it or ride over to it, and I'm like, Jenny, can we get it? And she's like, I don't want to get it. And she normally always wants to get it. And I said, no, 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 we need a table. And so she came over and looked at it. She said, okay, we can get it. I ran and got my neighbor to get his truck. We loaded it up, and I put it in my backyard. And I mean, I looked underneath the bottom and it had this emblem on it. And I don't know, like, furniture names my wife does. And it said Smith & Hawken. Now, Smith & Hawken is a really expensive furniture brand. Not only was this a Smith & Hawken table, it was a teak table. Now, teak's the wood that you make out of boats, you know, that is the inlay on the top of boats that is all beautiful and shiny. It is an incredibly hard and durable wood. lasts forever. I spent months, months sanding that thing and getting it just beautiful and putting a fresh coat in my backyard today, sat around it this afternoon, had lunch on my Smith & Hawken beautiful teak table. Looks brand new. It, it, I got it for free, but it cost a couple thousand dollars. Now, here's the reality. None of the work that I did to that table made it a Smith & Hawken table. I just simply exposed what it already was. See, you and I have a new starting point. We're not working to a new life. We're not working to try to gain a new life. We're not working anywhere out there. This new starting point is you have, present active, right now, a new life if you are in Christ. And the work that you're doing, the sanding that is happening, is simply revealing what God has placed in you You're not working for, you're working out of a new life. The first step to becoming the person God designed you to be is embrace a new starting point. Second is then you've got to begin to address the source and not the symptoms. Where Paul said, think on things that are above, set your heart on things, your attention, your affection. The source, the reality is right here in your heart. It's not your behavior, and we like to kind of change our behavior because it feels productive, doesn't it? It feels like, hey, we got it all together. It feels like maybe we can kind of change it, and it gives us immediate results. But all it is is behavior modification. You can change your behavior, and nothing change in your heart. But if you change your heart, your behavior will change. Address the source and not the symptoms. In fact, we're going to dive into that concept deeply tonight, because it's like, well, how do I address the source? And third, after addressing the source, not the symptoms, is simply this, is that you would realize, you would come to a place in your life, you'd realize that Christ, Jesus, is your life, not simply a component of your life. To be the person you're designed to be, be the person you are made to be. To Be the person you are created to be. You must and I must come to the realization. He's not a part or a component or a sideline issue. He said, I am life. I am the essence of life. And when you begin to embrace it, it's Jesus. It, that's it. It's Jesus. I am your life. As a result, we embrace a new cycle. Not try hard to, to earn favor, try hard to gain or to attain, but rest. Rest in the reality that you are new rest in the reality that you are his son or daughter of the king most high renew your mind and heart on the things that are true about you and when you fell when you fell would you realize you presently are fully forgiven adopted son daughter of the king His affection didn't vary in that moment. So don't go down and retreat and hide in guilt and shame. Just go to the fathers whose arms are open wide to you. Would you realize you are adopted? And repeat. Rest, renew. When you fail, realize and repeat. That's what we covered last week on how to be the person God made you to be. Now this week, we got to ask a pretty important question. Because some of you went away last week and said, I want to embrace that new cycle. And you ran into some hiccups. You ran into some things and you hit some roadblocks and, and you maybe began to internally ask this question. What's keeping me from being the person God made me to be? What are the things that are holding me back? What are the things that that I'm constantly fighting against that, that is just keeping me from being the man, being the woman, being the student, being the daughter, being the husband, the father, the mother, the wife, who God has designed me to be? What is holding me back? And let me give you just a simple answer, and we'll dive in uh, to a couple texts that will unpack this, I think, in a real practical way. This week is really, I think, God's going to unearth some things for you and give you some real practical things to apply this week to become the person not only that you ultimately long to become, but the person God made you to be, that you were created and designed to be. Now, here's why I think what keeps us from being the person God made us to be. And I got a little illustration for you. Often in life, we opt for a spray can instead of a sander. We opt for a spray can when we look at the stuff in our life, when we look around us, and if we're really honest, because we kind of like shortcuts, we kind of like quick fixes, we kind of want things to be just okay. And you know what, what's great about spray cans? is It can stay ugly, and you look at it and go, oh, yeah, oh, all that dust, that mark, oh, that looks way, way better. Because what a spray can simply does is cover up the problems, doesn't it? And we like that. It covers it up. The problem is it doesn't do anything about the crap underneath. And all too often, you and I, what we do in our life is we opt for a spray can instead of a sander. A sander is painful. A sander... Sander cuts through all the grime, cuts through all the crap, cuts through all of that to get to the very core, to the surface, to the reality. Instead of covering up, you're actually uncovering, breaking down. The hard part about sanding is it's not quick, it's a process, it takes a long time. The hard part about sanding is it's messy. Hard part about sanding is there's times and layers when you think you've uncovered something and then you realize there is something there before. If you ever done furniture before and you think it's just paint and you get underneath there and then there's a, like a glossy coat under there and you and all too often in our life we settle for short cuts, quick fixes and say you know what, I just if I just get and spray it on and as long as it looks good on the outside then maybe I am good. The problem is nothing fundamentally has changed. So you internally, though you've kind of shined up a little bit, all you've done is cover up. And you're still wrestling with how to be the person God made you to be. So how do we go about sanding? If tonight is one of those nights and if we, you know, we're at Home Depot and there's one of those how-to books and it gives you those steps of how do you go about actually sanding in your life to uncover who God actually made you to be instead of trying to cover up and look good on the outside. I'd say there's two critical steps. In fact, it's outlined real clearly in Romans chapter 2, uh, 12, verse 2. And then Paul really unpacks it in detail here in our passage, Colossians 3, 5 through 8. Romans twelve, two says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Stop being conformed. Stop being molded to this pattern, this way of life around you. Instead, be transformed. Literally, allow yourself to be transformed, to be changed anew by the renewing of your mind. And I love this, this amazing promise. Then you will test and approve. Literally, you will test. Your life will prove. You will demonstrate to others and to yourself God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what's keeping us from becoming the person God made us to be? First is we need to embrace step one. Step one is taking off the old pattern of life. We got to literally begin to get out and do the hard work of sanding. There has to be a stopping. In fact, in Colossians, Paul would say this. Literally, put to death. Annihilate. His strongest sense of language that he could use. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Paul said in Romans, it's the pattern of this world, that there are patterns that you and I naturally fall into, aren't there? There's just patterns that we, we fall into, and we just go into an automatic, but yet they don't actually produce life. They destroy life. They don't help us live into who we were made to be. In fact, what we know, and we know at the end of them, they really pull us, and we go, we regret it. And we go, man, I wish, I wish it didn't do that. I wish it didn't say that. I wish it wasn't there. And he gives us some examples of that. He says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, put to death. And he gives us an example. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. In fact, if you would, right above sexual immorality, just write the word action. And then draw a line all the way over. And then right over greed, would you put attitude? Notice that the, the text takes us, Paul takes us from an action point and he transitions us all the way to an attitude. It moves from outward to inward. And then he goes on to say, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now you used to walk in these ways. This used to be the normal pattern of your life. This is the grind that was on you in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of these things. Get rid of And then notice what he says. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, if you would see that anger, and just right above anger, write attitude. And then draw a line all the way over. And above filthy lips, just write action. Now, we said last week becoming the person God made you to be, you must address the source, not the symptoms. And i got to be honest, when I first read this, just like, okay, I get this. You're saying the source is my heart and mind and what, you know, whatever a man thinks, so is he, you said. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm going, like, but then all of a sudden I get this list. What do I do with this list? And, and studying, I saw this and I just was like, I was blown away. Flip your notes with me, if you would, and, and notice that you'll actually see in both of these examples, these were areas that the Colossian church deeply struggled with. That's the reason Paul addresses this with them at Colossae. He says, these are two major issues. One is in the way that you worship, and the other is with your language or your words. And notice this. If you got the first one, and go ahead and bring up the symptoms, and you notice that it moves from symptom, external, to source, internal. That moves from actions and what is above the surface to source, what is below the surface. So stage five, the, the ultimate stage is sexual immorality, and then moves down to impurity. And then un, below the surface, these are things that are internal, is lust and evil desires and greed. Now, we don't normally connect greed with sexual immorality, do we? In fact, going down to the source, let me just define these for you, if I could. Uh, take the word greed. Greed. Greed literally means the desire to have more. Uh, The ancient Greeks defined greed this way. They defined it as a desire which cannot be satisfied. They used the imagery of this, of a bowl that had a hole at the bottom so when you poured water, it would never be filled. That's the imagery for greed. It is a ruthless self-seeking. It says, you don't have... sexual immorality problem at the core of it you have a greed problem and most of us would never identify and say yeah I have a greed problem we go yeah yeah I kind of lust a little bit Stage one, greed. Stage two is evil desires, these just longings. You have these desires that are building up and builds into stage three, lust. And really, this word here means any passion you're simply mastered by, that you allow to take control of you. And and lust builds into uh, now external impurity, and it is the contamination of character, affected by moral, immoral behavior. The contamination of your character, your character is who you are, and you allow it to be contaminated by making choices that are uh, in violation of who you long to be. It's the click on the internet. It's, It's the flirting if you're married with the gal that you shouldn't be flirting with. It's the habitual repeating those moments that break down your character to the point where it says, stage five, sexual immorality. Now, why is this worship? And you notice at the end, it said, which is idolatry? In, in Colossae, it was primarily uh, Greeks who lived there. It wasn't really a Jewish colony. And, and part of their worship, the temple practice there, was sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, or even sex with another woman who wasn't your wife wasn't a big deal. It wasn't immoral because I was actually part of your worship, part of your worship service. You showed up to the temple and you had sex with the temple prostitute and you worshiped your pagan deity that way. And he's saying, reframe, there's a new way to live that doesn't destroy your humanity, but allows you to lean fully into who you're made to be. And when you do things outside my design, it destroys relationships. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen whole families destroyed because people went through this Process. I have. And what it is fundamentally is it's not a sex problem, it's a greed problem. It's not a lust problem, by the way, guys. If you want to sand down to the core and begin to address the source, says there's desire to have more. And you just go, it's greed. Now, I think the next one, actually, if, if for in our culture, mainly as guys, we could kind of line up with that. I think the next one in general may hit you a little bit, ladies, but you wouldn't naturally identify yourself as angry, I don't think. I don't think anyone says, I'm greedy, right? We just don't say that. And nobody says, oh, I'm angry. You know, we, at the end, but check this out. Stage one says anger, which moves to rage, to malice, to slander, and then filthy language. Let, let me define these because these are words that just don't really quite hit us right at the beginning. Anger is really a feeling. It literally means a strong displeasure with a focus on the emotion. There's an activity or event that happens where you begin to see someone or someone treats you, and immediately you have a strong displeasure. It is emotional. It's a complete emotional response. Response. Stage two is rage. It is literally anger moves from just an emotional response to a state of being. That is what rage is. It's an intense expression of the inner self. And, and you move into the state of being where you're just allowed to be angry. Stage three, malice, mean-spirited. This is moves from anger to rage. From feelings to a state of being to just simply being mead-spirited, where you begin to have vicious thoughts. You think about uh, things that would harm the other person or what you would say. You begin to process dialogue in your mouth, uh, not in your mouth, in your minds, right? And you begin to have these conversations of how you would tear them down or what you would say or how you'd get back. Or you just begin to think ill will towards them. You may think about what might happen to them. And you have these thoughts and you go, oh, I don't like that. But then you keep going to those thoughts. And eventually it seeps out then into slander. And slander is just what seeps out of your speech and it begins to contaminate others. Slander is just words that tear down the other person. That's all it is. That's what slander is. And most oftentimes we slander not in front of the other person, but about the other person, don't we? Words that tear down and it seeps. Sometimes we're not even aware of it and we just become this really passive, aggressive, and we just allow the words to just kind of come under and to cut and eventually, stage five, filthy language. I think that's a very light translation of the word there. It's literally abusive speech. This is way more confrontational. This is m- much more often done in person to the other person. It is a, what? It's literally like taking a bow and arrow and stringing it and letting it go and just your words shooting at them and knowing it's going to hit them right in the heart where it hurts. And you know you shouldn't say it, but you just, it it just comes out, and you know, man, it just wrecked them. Man, this happens in breakups all the time, by the way. When breakups happen, and all of a sudden you say something. I just uh, was talking to a friend, and they don't know Jesus, and they just went through a breakup, and it's real hard, and he said something that just, because he was hurt, went straight to the heart, cut the other person. It's abusive speech. It is directed to harm may be flavored with derogatory statements obscenities I I didn't even get that one out right see we look at that and go I have an anger problem or I have a speech problem I have a word problem the source of the matter goes back to your heart you have an anger problem you look at how you're trying to find satisfaction in other guys or f- success in, in what you do and it drives your life. And it's not, it's not that you have a success problem, you have an identity problem. And it goes back to the core of who you are. You know, a few um, years ago, Jenny uh, was asking our landlord if she could tear out our carpet. In her mind, she had this idea that underneath our carpet was this beautiful hardwood floor, because our house was built in the 1930s, and all they did was hardwood floors, and so she thought there was this beautiful hardwood floor. All she needed to do was rip up the carpet, and she would see this beautiful hardwood floor. And I kept telling her, please don't do it. Please don't do it. And one day I come home, And I see, and I was really excited because this was a three-day weekend. I actually had the weekend off, which is so weird for me. I don't normally get weekends off. And I was like, oh, excited to hang out. And I see rolls of carpet in my driveway. (laughs) My next-door neighbor, Jeff, helped her out and was helping her, giving her the tools. And I was so mad at him. I'm like, what did you do? (laughs) As she pulled it out, what we expected was this beautiful hardwood floor, and for sure there is this beautiful hardwood floor, but it was covered in latex paint. Because when they went to remodel the house, they just sprayed the whole house and they knew they were putting down carpets, so they didn't put anything on the floor. And it had tacks and uh, paint all over it. And I spent the next three weekends just trying to strip off the paint. And I mean, I had the goo, and you're like, I mean, it was just this mess, and you're like, I mean, it's all, I ruined two pairs of shoes in there working on it, and it was nasty. Now, the reason many of us choose the spray can instead of the sander is because we're afraid of what we'll find underneath the carpet. We're afraid if we really take a look and we really get down to it, we're not going to like what we see. I know God said that I'm a new creation, but if I really begin to pull it back, I'm going to see things in me and I don't want to go there. And I got to be honest, for sure, for sure you will. You will. There'll be times where you look at and you go, it will, for many of us, get harder before it gets better. But if you don't, It's not like you've changed anything. You're still that person. See, would you rest? Would you rest in the reality of knowing that it is worth to cut through the grind because there is a beautiful creation of God waiting to be unveiled in you. That that is currently true. So it is worth the time and the labor. It is harder. It is painful. It is trying. But would you rest in the reality that your new starting point. You are a new creation. So the process is worth it. The pain is worth it. It may and it might and it most likely will be harder before it gets easier. I don't want to play games with you. But knowing. And it's true. You go to my house today. There is a beautiful hardwood floor sanded and shine. It was hard work. It took me three or four weekends. But it was there. And truth and the reality for you. Therefore you are a new creation. Stage one. Stage one. Step one. Is taking off the old pattern of life. Step two then is putting on a new daily practice. How do we then go about actually, we got to identify the source, we got to begin to figure out what we're actually up against, but how do we go ab- about really standing? And i got to be honest, we're not going to unpack this fully tonight. I don't have enough time, but we're going to unpack it enough that you can begin to apply it tonight, okay? Listen to what Paul says here, putting on a new daily practice. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self, with his practices and put on a new self. He changes imagery. He's talking about clothing. He says, remember that you took off your old T-shirt, the old crap, the old sweaty garments that you're wearing, the old rags that you had, and, and you put on new, new clothes. Remember that? And it says, which is being renewed in the knowledge In the image of its creator. In fact, circle that word renewed right there. It literally means to be made new. It's where we get our word for this series because it literally means to be recreated, to be made new in the image of its creator. And the tense of this uh, participle here is a present passive participle. Meaning that it's something that is ongoing, active, happening. This isn't something that is a one-time event. This is a state of being, that there is a pattern that you used to walk into, and now there's a practice that you need to apply daily. There's a pattern and a step and a walk that you used to have, and now there's a daily practice that you begin to apply. It says this. says, being renewed in what? In what? What does it say? Yes. Knowledge. Not any kind of knowledge. Knowledge in the image of its creator. Romans 12 says it this way. But be transformed. Allow your heart and life to literally be transformed. That's where we get this metanoia. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's where allow yourself to be transformed, metamorphosed, anew. By what? The renewing of your mind me just answer this question in what's keeping you and I from being who God made us to be. How do I this week renew my mind? First, would you set aside specific time to be daily with God? Specific time daily to be with God? Literally set aside, set aside specific time May start with 5 minutes, 10 minutes, start light. You go daily. I'm going to set it aside. If you don't set it aside, it will not happen. You have to start and you say, I'm going to set aside today. Now, I'm going to set aside specific time to be with God. Choose one truth to reflect on each day and review it throughout the day. I've given them right here for you. That I want to make it as easy as possible that you could walk out of here and you could start the sanding process in your life and become the person God made you to become. Uh, the truth here, God is with me right now, and he lives inside me. That you would allow that truth to permeate your soul. God is with me right now, and he lives inside me. Because you may feel like you've been abandoned. There may be something in your past. There might be a, a tragedy or something happened where you constantly work, and everything outward, the so- symptoms out there, are a cry from an internal side of abandonment. You cling on to people because you're afraid to be abandoned. And you go. You know what? God is with me right now, and lives inside of me. And you just take Colossians two twenty two. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. And you go. I'm just going to allow that to permeate the truth of my life. Or I am fully forgiven, completely loved, right at this moment. And the outward symptoms of your life may simply be uh, an outward expression of like trying to cover up shame and guilt and unworthiness. And you're always trying to be the successful person. You're always trying to kind of measure up and you're always hearing that voice like you're not good enough and so you're always trying harder and you're trying to outperform others and you're always trying to find your significance in other things and it comes underneath this is this internal shame or longing for approval I am a son and daughter of the king and have full and unrestricted access nothing can separate me from the love of God what God began in me he will complete it I have everything I need to be the person God created me to be some of you you feel like it's hopeless don't you? Like why try? I've been caught in that cycle, Ingram, for so long. Why try? I've been trying hard, do good, fail, and it just sucks. And honestly, I don't think I don't think there's a real reality that there, God made a new. I'm exposing me. I don't really think that's really true. God says, "You have everything you need to be the person I made you to be. Would you?" Would you renew? Would you choose to reflect daily and ask the Spirit of God to lead you and the courage to follow what he says? You just simply stay. You start every day. I'm going to set aside time. Remember the picture of clothing? You know, my boys, I have, I have two boys. They're six and three. Those boys, <laughs> they could use a bath three to four times a day. Now, in my house, in my backyard, we have this beautiful grass area in the backyard, and then there's this kind of break, and then there's just dirt. My kids don't play in the grass. They just go straight to the dirt. So every day, they run out to the dirt, they play, come in, and I mean, we can't go outside unless, you know, like out anywhere in public until we like cleanse them off because people look at them, what kind of parents are these, you know? that they. Look. One day I was walking around with Miles and I just had Miles by myself and we're out doing stuff and I looked at his face and I mean it was just covered in dirt and as a dad I don't notice enough, you know? I'm like Jenny would be so pissed at me right now. <laughs> but, but we get, we get the reality that as kids man, they need constant baths. They need this constant re-clothing. What about you? What if you just said, daily, I'm going to begin to renew my mind and allow God to transform me. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to choose one of those truths that where I need, I need God to do the work and the sanding in me. And so I'm going to choose one of those and begin to allow Him to do that work. And then I'm going to ask Him to speak to me and the courage to respond to what he says. Because sometimes he might say, you need to go talk to a friend and tell him what's going on inside and share. And you go, I don't want to do it. Sometimes it might be making something right that you've done wrong, confessing to somebody. "Ah!" You go, God, I need the courage. I need the courage. I need the courage to do what you're asking me to do. Would you embrace a new cycle where you rest Renew, when you fell this week, you would realize you are a son and daughter of the King Most High, and repeat...